you know, it's so important to know when the Lord gave me the revelation that we can choose to live in the Garden of Eden, right? We can choose, but we can choose to eat from the tree of good and evil. Or we can choose to focus on him and pull from the tree of what? Life. How many times do we get stuck trying to figure out what's good and what's evil? When all the time he just wants us to focus on life. You know what I mean? And he sent his son, which gave us the way, the truth, and the life. So that's what we come to spot class because God wants everybody connected. But what holds us back? Our spot. Which, there are only three spots. Everybody, the first one is unforgiveness. The second one is shame. And the third one is rejection. And each of them have defenses. So praise God, we have defenses. So we've already talked about unforgiveness. The defenses that come out anytime that we aren't living a lifestyle. Not every, remember, unforgiveness is the unknown spot. We never know when those things come up. But when they do, we've already learned the defenses. So now when it happens, we have the responsibility to what? We have to go through that lifestyle, ask for forgiveness. We have to ask forgiveness from the Father, through the Son. We have to ask forgiveness from one another. And we have to ask forgiveness within ourselves. And so we've already learned about that. We are now on the spot of shame, which shame is different than unforgiveness because it has eight defenses, okay, not six defenses. And these eight defenses are tough ones, you know. And remember, I'm just going to review this chart really quick. Shame is the hidden spot. Unforgiveness is the unknown spot. So hidden means deep down, you know there's something going on. But you don't necessarily deal with it until something deals with you. And then it comes out. In fact, it was awesome. As the Lord gave this to me as I was reviewing for this lesson today, he let me know shame, and I've already told you this, it is the hidden part. It's the deepest, deep, the deepest part of our hidden self that has debt, that has lack, that has poverty to it. Okay? And deep down, we kind of know that it's there. Because the moment that Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, the moment they knew that they rebelled against the obedience to what God had told them, the first thing they did was they grabbed what? Fig leaves. Right. They covered themselves. Because, and they, and they realized, well, why are we covering ourselves? Because they realized they were what? Naked. Okay. So shame is the spot we have to deal with our nakedness. Okay? And that means something has to come up. And it, if we're in Christ, we live death, burial, and then resurrection. Okay? And so when we die to the cross, to what God shows us we have to die to, now we're also responsible to start digging that hole. And then pushing the dirt right on our face. <laughs> pushing the dirt right on our face. Because we got to bury it. But guess what? Nobody likes to put the dirt on their own face. See, that's the problem. The Lord showed me the body of Christ should be like this. Come here, Pastor Mike. Come here, Percy. The body of Christ should be like this. The body of Christ, every time a new member comes, you are not looking at each other's back. Everybody should be looking what? Up. Up. Because none of us, there's, there's none of us that does not have unforgiveness, shame, and rejection to deal with. So if we're not looking up, okay, at Jesus, then what are we doing? If one person turns around and I'm looking at Prissy's back, uh-uh. and I'm talking about everything that's Prissy, and I'm looking at this person's back, yeah. if I now just let the enemy in. And the Lord said every time a new member comes, people are going to turn. 
they're going to go through that, and then they just have to experience love. Because everybody has to be, everybody has to, our souls have to be renewed back to Christ. To be in Him. We have to be in Him. Do you get that? Yeah. So we have to be making sure that when unforgiveness, shame, and rejection, any of these defenses come up, we know, oh, I gotta start putting some dirt on my what? Yeah, I gotta start piling myself into that grave because God wants to give me a what? A resurrection season. He wants to give me a resurrection season. So who wants a resurrection season? And guess what? The word says, you're all going to get something, either 30, some 60, some what? 100. Praise God we all get something, right? Okay, so don't be down because the Lord was really exposing this to me about shame. He said, the deepest part of our hidden poverty, it's not seen to others, but deep down you know it's there. Because it's in our deepest inner parts. And you know what? It says shame is at its highest. Now, at its highest. Okay, remember, shame blocks the treasure that's within you for God to use you in what you're called to do. Only unforgiveness stops you from being in your destiny. Shame doesn't stop you from being in your destiny. It stops God from being able to use your vessel. Okay, so it says shame comes at its highest. And there is the prophet of Satan sitting there, sitting there. You could be, pull, you could be putting the dirt in your grave and he's sitting there trying to what? Dig it out. You know what I mean? Through rebellion, through deception, through pride, through masking, through controlling, through self-centered money and cursing. He is actually burying. You're, you're trying to bury yourself and expose your shame. Because if you do that, that's how you, that's how the burial happens faster. Okay? And so if you get to it, the enemy's gonna try to keep what? Filling it in. Filling it in. Shame hits his highest right before your last bit of dirt in the ground. Before your grave is done. So shame starts to rise to its highest because shame says, I don't have to change. Shame says, I don't have to do that. Because why? The trial. God sends the trial. God sends the circumstances all of our lives. But for us to evaluate the hidden things within ourselves. And so you know you're about to be buried if your shame is rising high. That means there's deception in your mind. You are trying to match something. You're trying to control something. Come on. You know when you start controlling something, just let, step back. Don't even try to control it. You know what I mean? That's how you know you're letting yourself die. That's how you know you're being buried. But shame is so strong. Sometimes, it, even though it's in us and we know it, the deception can be so hidden, we can't even see it happening. It is so true. We can't see it happening. You know what I mean? It takes a circumstance to reveal that. And that was so beautiful. Put Jeremiah 17.10 up. It says, we are really aware of something. We are very aware. But it doesn't mean that we really understand. See, that's so beautiful about the body of Christ. That's why we love one another. Because we don't really understand. The only thing that conquers that type of any awareness is love. So it says, the I, the Lord, search the what? Heart. And I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his way. Okay? And that doesn't mean that you're sitting here watching everybody that see what they're receiving. It's a, it's a personal relationship with you and the Lord. Nobody can judge another person's receiving or taking. You know what I mean? But according to the fruit of his doing, that means God wants to bless us. 
That doesn't mean God wants to punish us. It means he wants to bless us. And how many times we're willing to deal when one of these defenses pops out? Okay? Are we allowing it to be buried for the season? And let me just, God is not going to deal with you in all the areas at one time. Come on. He, I mean, he, he can. It's got to be one area at one time. And you know what? You know when you are rejoicing in it, even though you feel like you're dying in it, you know you've arrived somewhere. Your faith, that faith that the Holy Spirit gives you kicks in. It's a supernatural faith that kicks in and makes you laugh even when you feel like you're, you're down. You know what I mean? And come on. Boys and girls, isn't it hard? It's hard. It's hard when he, but we can't move away from this. This is our lifestyle to deal with the hidden things, to deal with the, with the unknown things, to deal with the blind things in our life. So remember, shame is something you deep down really know. All right. So give me Philippians 3, 18 and 19, please. Because this is so important. The Lord had given me a revelation. If anybody wants to get the tape from Saturday night, gave that to me that we are trying to throw stones at a Goliath when we never killed the lion or the bear. See, David was chosen to go to go because he even said, I can kill Goliath because I already killed the lion and the bear. bear. Well, the lion is the voice that yells in your intellect. It tells you to stop dying. That says, I don't need to be buried. But the bear is the adversary who comes right at that moment to steal, kill, and destroy what God's doing with you. Okay? We do so good wanting to think it's another, but it has to do with us. Because he's doing something with us. We have to yield with us. We have to deal with that. It says, for many will walk, of whom I have told you often. You know, the Lord says, a lot of people want to follow him. But it's very few who will make it through the what? The narrow door. Very few will find this, I call it the sweet spot, where you are, you are, it's, you are, you are buried, and you don't know what you're going to receive. See, that's what's so beautiful. We want to plan. We want to be planners. We want to plan our outcomes. We want to plan our death. I want to plan my obituary. I want to plan it, right? Not in Christ. He says, no, just follow me. Just follow me. I got it all down. You know, if he told us to, if I knew everything I had to go through, I would not be standing here today. I would not be doing it. You know, it's just because our, our flesh cannot, our flesh wants to be in control. So it says, for many walk whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even what? Weeping. That they are enemies of the cross. Who's an enemy of the cross? I'm going to tell you. The one who refuses to deal with their unforgiveness, their shame, and rejection. Because God already says he's called us to mature. Okay, come on. I'm not born immature the next day. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm not motivated. I'm not mature the next day. That's where I, I can be so good at, when I learn this, I can be so good about what I go through because I know I'm just being what? Perfected into maturity. I'm not expecting to be perfect every day. But now I tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Dot, dot. Next verse. Whose end is what? Destruction. Whose God is their belly. And whose glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things. Praise God. I just showed you the circle. If you are looking at everybody else, if you're looking at everybody else's job, if you're looking about what the Joneses have on the street, come on, right? You know? We are in such an earthly place of fashion, money, everything, that we actually become an offense to the cross. 
because we're not allowing ourselves to be changed. It said we're feeding ourselves a lie. But it says, whose end is destruction? Whose end is that? The one who chooses the earthly things. Do you know what I mean? When you already get that we have to figure out the renewing of our souls, and then we just, we rest in him. And we're like, hey, I know you're doing this now, Grace, carry me. Grace, carry me. Don't beat yourself up. Just meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. He actually changes that mindset where you're not looking to mask and be something that you're not. You're looking to just walk out what you're called to do. It's such an awesome place to be. And so belly means, the Lord made me look up the word belly. You know I had to go on that. Because out of your belly will flow what? A river, right? Which flows out of rivers of living water. Well, the key thing, belly means four things. One, I could not believe it. First, you're what? Your tummy. He even cursed the serpent and said, you will crawl on your belly. Right. You will crawl on your belly and eat what? Dust. Right. Because he was so disobedient. Right. So, no legs there. Nothing to help him. He just crawled on his belly. All right. Second definition of belly is, and it's in this definition, carnal, carnal desires. Carnal. Belly means carnal desires. Deep within each of us, we have a hidden shame of something we really want. And we really, why? Because we're made of flesh. So there's nothing, in this class, we want transparency as much as possible. Because why? Go deal with yourself in transparency. You have to be able to know, when you realize, oh, heartily, I'm either trying to mask something I don't want people to see. Or I'm deceived about something. Or I'm trying to what? Control a situation. Or, you know what? Even in shame, you can curse. Not just you, you curse God, you curse another, and then you curse what? Yourself, because he says, I'm going to give you blessings, and I'm going to give you what? Curses, you choose, which will you take today, right? What are you going to do? So, we've got to keep our mindset off of earthly things. And in the United States, come on. We think we deserve the best car, the best house, the best husband, the best wife. This needs to look just like this. It's got to be the perfect color on the wall. We've become so earthly perfectionist. We forget to realize that... He wants our mind perfected in heavenly things. Okay? And if you read the rest of those verses, he reminds us that our identity is in Christ, not in what we want to design for ourselves. Okay? So, now, what area are we going to talk about? Uh, shame is so tough because we all have it that it's like, okay, which area do I want to teach on first? So, since shame is at its highest, right before you're going to get buried, right? That means you're at the fullness of your own rebellion, and you're, you're at the fullness of your own deception. That's the highest point. So we're going to start low. We're going to talk about money. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about how money really is, there's so much shame when connected to money, because there's two spirits that float, the spirit of Korah and the spirit of Balaam. spirit of Balaam is about greed. Okay, and now there isn't anybody that's not going to identify with this. We say this at every class. We all have been or have these thoughts. We've all done things like what I'm going to teach because that's just the awesome transparency of it. Nobody is prone to not have already fallen into one of these things. But money is the root of all evil. Um, I'm sorry, the love of money, thank you, is the root of all evil. And, this is so interesting, the key thing in that is all. All evil, all things connected with earthly things. For us to get things, you have to have what? Money, okay, on the earth. Okay, that's not, heavenly citizenship is a little bit different. 
God wants to, pardon me? Oh, okay. So just keep in mind that it is the root. It's the root. The love of it is the root. So we're gonna, we're gonna just get a little close about money. Why shame will pop up to defend you. Okay, when it comes to money issues, we have all been raised with certain money values. How to spend it, how to save it, what to do with it. Come on, there's people that hold on to money so tight, they're afraid to let go of it. Because they're really not trusting in God for the next day. You know what I mean? But then there's some people that are so giving, they're actually manipulated to overgive. See, money has two ways of flowing. You know what I mean? Because you think, well, if I give enough, God will love me more. Come on, how many people have done that? Yeah. I mean, I'll go in and give to something. I'm thinking, okay, he's really going to love me because I can give. But the point is, I only had the money to give because he gave it to me. Okay? It was such a deep thinking on this. So let's put up this first. So, I wanted to lay that down because in the belly, I think I missed the two other definitions in that. Okay. Just because that's not the main part of the lesson, but I will finish it. Carnal desires. Belly means your innermost heart thought. Innermost heart thought. And that's when out of your belly will flow rivers. It's not your physical belly. It's in your innermost heart of your soul. Okay? And then the last definition of belly is hell. Period. <laughs> I mean, Jonah was in the belly of a well. God set that for him so he could get in a place where he would cry out. So it's awesome. But anyway, I taught this the other night. Because how many people try to fight the Goliath, but they don't know what to do? They haven't defeated the lion and the bear yet. So praise God, I really did get into that. So money, okay, money is a defense of shame. So go ahead and please put on the screen, uh, Ecclesiastes 5, chapter 5, verse 9. I think it's important to hit money first when it comes to shame, so we can get the, the, the slate cleared on this. Because I believe, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and you were a member, and when you were a member, you were assigned to pay your 10% tithe, so you got little envelopes based on the income you wrote down, and then they expected you to do what? Pay. But they didn't talk to you about it anywhere else. Then you go to churches where everything's about what? Call of money, collection of money, 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 money. Okay? But we want to keep this in mind. It says, moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. Now, the profit of the land is your soul. I want everyone, you're thinking land, I'm thinking your soul. We all can profit in this world. It says in 1 John, I think it's 3, or 1 John 3, 2 or 3, 1. I forget how that goes. Your soul will only, I mean, you will only prosper in health and in all things as much as your soul prospers. So moreover, the profit of the land is for all. That means everybody in here. It's not for one versus another. God wants everybody's land, their soul, to prosper. And it will profit. It says even the king is served from the field. So it just means as we surrender ourselves to the death, the burial, you are going to have a resurrection. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But everybody is going to receive from that field. But you're going to profit from it. And Jesus already came and showed us how to do it in the field. So give me the next verse, verse 10. It says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. Okay, so now God's already saying in the, in the, in the heavenly realm, we are going to prosper. 
but if but we've got to get this field worked out. We've got to get the land. But he said, who who loves silver will never be satisfied with what? Silver. Nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Now we're going to hit something with money. Money cannot make you happy. Money cannot bring you cannot bring you into the fullness of joy. Money cannot make you righteous. Money cannot give you peace. It's a false peace if you think it does. But the word says, if you love silver that much, that silver will never never satisfy you. If you love abundance, that means you always want the next increase. You want more. You want more. You want more. You will never be what satisfied. Because the only thing that can satisfy the soul is Jesus. Jesus is the sanctifier of our soul. He gives us scripture to what? Renew the mind. Soothe the soul. Put us in a place that we can really live for him. Okay, this is really, I think this is really interesting. I love this. Give me, um, if your soul is not renewed through the shame, because shame is going to be something we always deal with, because we're in a physical body. But if you can't, if you can't come to a godly contentment about money, because godly contentment is what? Great gain. It's not that God doesn't want people to have money. He just wants you to know what its purpose is. See, if we can get the understanding of its purpose, then we can get the understanding that I'm not looking. How many times? I want a bigger paycheck. I want a better job. I want to do this. And you still, when you get it, you're not what? Satisfied. Do you know what I mean? You could be looking and say, oh, I want that $150 to get that really awesome sweater. And when you get the sweater, you're not what? But you think the whole time, if I could get that sweater, I would be satisfied. So what the Lord is trying to show us here, there's nothing that can truly satisfy us unless we're in relationship with him. Okay? And so money is one of those things that we might as well just hit that because the love of money is the root of what? All evil. We actually think that money can solve all our problems. When God gave us everything to enjoy, so when you're ready to really enjoy him, then he can add to you. See, if you constantly think, I need to have money to have joy, I need to have money to feel good and be satisfied, guess what's going to be withheld from you? Money. If you're in Christ and he's working you out, then that's the area he's going to withhold. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean everybody has to be a millionaire. So, all right, so godly contentment is great. Worldly abundance can never satisfy spiritual desire. It can never satisfy us spiritually. In fact, there's a verse that, and actually we probably get to that verse. How many, the word even says, we can go out and labor, and we can labor for our spiritual desires to be filled because we think spiritual desires will be filled in physical things. But they're not because we've all been to that when we've gotten a physical thing, we feel what? Great. When we get a car, we get a house, we get something possession-wise. You know what I mean? A gold necklace, a diamond ring, right? We think that, man, that's what's going to make me what? Happy. And it doesn't. When you're in Christ and you're willing to go through the narrow door, he starts taking away the possessions so you can realize the fullness of him because the fullness of him can only happen in the renewing of your mind. It's when your spirit and soul are in complete agreement. All right. So bring, I said, this is also is vanity. We live in a world full of what? Vanity. It's incredible. We can never, okay, how many people say this? Well, back in the day when I made this, back in the day when I did that, come on. Come, I mean, 
I mean, I'm going to be 50 next year, so I at least have 50 years on my life. I can think back, oh, when I made that kind of money, or when I was in that job. You know what I'm saying when I say that? I'm saying that I'm not trying to move forward. And I'm actually saying that was the best God had for me. When really that's not true. When we say those things, our mind is not satisfied. And our mind is not in the Word of God. I mean, come on. Think about it. Think how many times you wish you stepped back into something thinking those were your glory days. <laughs> right? And all you're saying to God when you're saying that is, she is so not connecting with me right now. <laughs> She's not connecting with me. She wants to look back to the old days instead of looking back to where I am taking her. You guys get it? Okay, so remember, our mindset with money, God had to work with me on this. I used to work at Remax. I made over $300,000 a year. I had a million-dollar house. I had two Mercedes. I had it all in the world. And I'm still driving down the road, and I said, God put me in my destiny. When I said those words, I didn't know what I was saying. He made me give it all up. That word is real. If you have have Richard walk in this door, I can tell you. You know what I mean? He made me give it up. I had to give up the house. I had to give up the cars. And I had to give it under his instruction, and it did not make any sense. But he was like, I am now going to wipe away any thought that you have value because you earn money. Wow. You know what I mean? And he did. He put me into a situation where he said, I, I heard it so clear, I will have to bring you to zero. He had to bring all this stuff to zero before he could ever use me in the body. And so I had my, this is sanctifying years of giving up, giving up, having moments of thinking, Let's talk about the glory days. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then when I started thinking about it, I didn't feel good when I thought about it. I didn't feel good about the day I got my Mercedes or the day I built the house or things that I had. I actually started feeling like I was so lonely then. Because I wasn't reading the Word of God. I wasn't seeking His Word. Instead, I was deciding, if I have money, I have value. And if I have value, I must be doing something what? Right, right. right come on. How many of us, if we feel like if we're making the money, we've got the house, we've got the good neighborhood, all this stuff, we're doing something right, right? But see, that doesn't satisfy us. The only thing that satisfies us is being in our destiny, being matured to the measures that he wants to keep using you. Keep you everybody's usable. Do you know what I mean? As long as they're yielding. Okay, so vanity traps you into thinking that money is the only way to give you value, that you're smart. Come on. How many people have been that? You get straight as a little report card, and that's like your gold when you're in high school. But then when you get out in the real world, it's what you make on the what? The paycheck, right? That decides if you're smart enough. Okay? So keep this in mind. Give me Luke 14.33. I'm going to go through a few scriptures that I think are very important because the flesh has to die to the want of money. The flesh has to die to the want of money because if you want money, then shame is always going to be hidden behind the motive. Remember, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Okay? And money, come on, you ever see where you bring money out and somebody's eyes look green? Ding, 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 ding. Right? Okay, yeah. Do you believe a piece of paper you can lust over? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to take this, I can have a thousand dollars down and rip it up and people will be like, oh, you know what I mean? I could use that thousand dollars, you know? Alright, it so, says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. See, I'm telling you, he really proved that to me. 
And I was like, all right. You know, I met Gene. I was just going to Episcopal Church. And he was like, hey, I think you're supposed to be my partner in business. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. You know? <laughs> and all I remember is really like wanting when I came into this room. And this wasn't even a, it wasn't even full-time ministry yet. I came in here and all these visions, not even these, these weren't even created yet. These were on little sketches. And I started feeling something deep in me. The war was on. My spirit and my flesh, my carnal desire belly was fighting with my innermost soul, trying to figure all this out. But God put me to that test. Forsake all, you, whoever of you does not forsake what? All that he has cannot be not my disciple. That means there is a point where God, he weighs the heart and he tests the mind. And he's going to see, is she going to do this? Come on. When you hear God tell you to do something when it comes to money or things, the first thing we want to do when it's something, my great-great-grandmother gave me this. Right? i got to keep it. And God could be saying, no, I need you to now give it to that person. See, our earthly mind attaches a lie to tradition. And sometimes God's asking you to what? Move it on. Because you can't have that to go to where you're going next. And he's not just making you give it up because he doesn't love you. All he's doing is weighing the heart and testing the mind so he can reveal the hidden things that are in you. So because he says, I can't take somebody in a spiritually advanced place if they're going to hold on to money as a desire and thinking that's what made them valued. Okay, you can't do it. That doesn't mean he won't give people in the body of Christ money because money has, there are two jobs with money. And I'm going to show you the verse on this, but and I'm not there yet. But it's the steward. It's the steward. We're to be good stewards of our body. We're supposed to be good stewards of our mind. We're supposed to be good stewards of the word. But anything physical, we're to be a good what? Steward. A good steward. All right, so give me this verse. Give me Luke 16, 13. So, hey, so keep in mind, 16, 13. So keep in mind, if you are truly his disciple, you will let it go. Come on, raise your hand if you've had to let some things go. Right? And things, I'm telling you, and we're not talking about... Things, when you let things go, you're letting go of a mindset. Okay? Because that's the ultimate thing, is to get the mindset renewed. No servant can serve, come on, everybody knows this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, he will love the other, or else he will be what? Loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if you secretly think, I'm going to go into ministry, and I am going to do this, and I'm going to make money at this. And I'm going to tell you, all you're going to do is what? Fail. All you're going to do is fail. Because God says, if you have defeated the lion and the bear, every source is open to you. If you are right where you need to be, every source is open to take you where you got to go. That means every... He's proved it to me. He had me give it all up down to $34 in my bank account when I'm used to holding an average of 25000 you know what I'm saying? He had me give it all up to show me how he provided. And I was in this ministry one night, and I heard him say, now go out to dinner with these people. I'm like, I only have $34, and I have to fill my gas tank. And it was still my, my Mercedes at the time. It was like $40, right? And I heard, just go. Well, I go, and I pull into the – I had to get gas. So I was like, here we go. I, I was about to put my card in. And no kidding. The person behind me goes, hey, ma'am, let me pay for your gas. I was like – because I didn't live like that. I lived. I grew up in a family that 
was, we were, there was always money. So I was very self-sufficient in understanding that. In fact, to earn your place in my family, you had to prove that you got your doctorate degree and you made money. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how your value is set. But when that person, I cried. Because it was the first time I realized, wow, God can bring anything. And at midnight, we left this plane. And then I went to the restaurant and somebody paid for my dinner. So I still ended up with $34 to my name. Right? Okay? He didn't leave me penniless. He didn't leave me penniless. But he was saying, Lee, I've got to take, he made me strip my jewelry. He made me give up my half for my payoff. He made me start giving everything. And everything that I did always ended up with the number zero. Because he said, what I've asked you to do, you cannot be a man pleaser. You cannot worry about what people think. He said, what I've raised you to do, you can't even have anything that they would want from you. You get what I'm saying? So, all he wants is for us to be in place to help somebody else help maturity grow through the body. Okay? But, I love it. Two masters. Come on. Sometimes, I'll tell you two masters. You got your spirit that wants to rule from the throne of God. And then you got your soul who wants to still believe the things they were all taught. Did you see the war? It says the flesh will war against the what? The spirit. The spirit against the, the flesh because the mind has to make the choice. The mind has to make the choice. If we're, if we're unhappy because we're not making much money, guess what? You're staying where you're at for a while. If you're not happy because you don't like your house or you want more, anytime you start saying, I want more of this, I want more silver, I want more, you might as well just hold down because that mindset, you might not even have said it, but if you continue the cycle of it, you are serving to God. You're serving to God. Okay? And we don't want that. We've got to get that shame out. You know what I mean? We really have to get that shame out. All right, give me, okay, so, give me Matthew, chapter 6, 19. So remember, the flesh must die to money. I love, oh, okay, we're already definitely going to get to this. Okay, it says, don't lay up for yourselves what? Treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Carrie, I'm going to tell this great testimony. Carrie saw a person out in the parking lot that needed new tires. Okay? Carrie came to us in the ministry. He said, hey, I think this person needs new tires. She's like, okay, good, and walks away. And then Carrie's like, hey, don't you think that the ministry should buy these person's tires? Can we do that? Right? And then... Jean's like, no, if you saw it, then that means God had you see it. So then, this is so awesome. This is a great testimony. I'll never forget it. And then Carrie's like, Carrie came, he actually said something. Hey, I see this person needs tires. I really want to do something. I was like, oh, great. Because whatever it is, he may not have had the mind to pay for the tires, but he had something in his house that could pay for those tires. So he kept thinking, how could I pay for these tires? And God showed you a what? A sword, right? Or a knife or a coin. A coin. Okay. I don't I couldn't remember the story. What he did is he took that valuable piece to him and he exchanged it in and he got the person's what? Tires. And God blessed that man right there. Because God was teaching him the currency, the move of his of his ways, not our ways. So it says, do not lay for yourself treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and they what? Steal. I'm telling you, there's nothing nobody can take from me. Take it. Because if that, if somebody wants it that much, that means I got to do what? Let it go. There are things that we have to let it go. In fact, the only way to break shame is to give. 
Okay? Edify. In this case, money, give what your possession is. If you held it on and you're holding on to it, you hold it, that means guess what? If you hold on to something that tight, be prepared. Because it's going to be time to give it. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing that we have on this earth that we can take for us in heaven. Okay? So it's awesome. we got to get that mentality. If nobody can take anything, I can't be offended. Come on. If nobody can come in and steal, we had we had somebody break in our car on our trip. Okay? I lost my coach bag. I lost my social security card. I lost that. I've been good about it. You know what I mean? I wasn't upset. It was okay. All I had to do was just go get new stuff, and it wasn't a big deal. And the police officer said, well, hey, you're the only one that had your social security card. That's like gold. I was like, I am covered by the blood. I am covered by the blood. I'm not going to fret over it. I just break, I just thank God that he sends you out to even do a mission, you know? Okay, let's hit this. Put up Proverbs 30, verse 8, okay? And this is what I love, because so many people in the body of Christ say, Oh, if I'm serving God, i got to be poor. If I'm serving God, i got to be poor. How many have heard that? Yes. If you're serving God, you have to give up everything and be what? Poor. poor. That's an image that has been created because of those verses I just gave you. Those verses are telling us we do have to give everything up, but everything that we hold on to here, I'm telling you, here. We hold on to money here. We hold on to our health here. We hold on to everything in the mind. It says, remove falsehood and lie far from me. Give me neither what? Poverty. Nor give me what? Riches. Now, okay, I'm going to break this down. But feed me with the food allotted to me. That means everybody was born with a call. And in that call, guess what? Your prosperity is in that call. Your supply is in that call. Your answers from God are in that call, and the love and affections are in that call. Okay? I'm serious. Now, so we're not poverty. How do you know you are tied to financial poverty? Okay? Come on. Take this and breathe it in. Okay? But the word says, give me verse 9. Give me neither. I love this. Verse 9. Lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or at least I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Somebody who lives in spiritual poverty and believing they don't deserve to have any money because that means they're more holy, that they have put themselves in physical danger because they've decided not to trust God, okay, and providing they decided I have to be poor, to be rich. Okay, they're actually using the word wrong. Okay, if you're in poverty, if there's any type of poverty, that's usually connected with an envy. We learned that in unforgiveness. And if that's happening, then you are feeling it in the physical realms of your life. Poverty is a defect in the physical realm of your life. Okay, and then you decide, that's what God must think, you know. That's where, that's what, we actually use that line that if we don't have money, to make us think, oh, I'm holy. But it's not like that. It's not like that. He wants us, lest I be full and deny you, and say, who is the Lord? That means those who are living in a poverty mindset, they are actually believing that they have a closer relationship with the Lord, but in turn, they're denying him. You're actually denying the Lord, saying, I, I just have to be poor because I gave it all up to follow him. Well, you're not really following him if you're saying that. 
you have to give things up to follow him on his obedience, and you have to serve. But you can't go around and now advertise, I'm poor because of that. I'm poor because I'm serving God. No, if we have any poverty, it's because we haven't trusted him enough. Okay, now here's the opposite. Don't give me poverty and and don't get nor riches. If you are a person that is living in so much prosperity and you have so many riches and you you actually become where you think you're God. See, here's the opposite coin. You think you're God and you're denying yourself the spiritual desires God has for you. See, that's why God is in charge of all of our money. He is in charge of all our money. He says, I love it. The blessings of the Lord makes one what? Rich. Rich. And blessings in that sentence, you know what that means? Praising him. So when you praise God and you get to a place where you're not thinking about your money, he says, I will add it to you with no what? Sorrow. So there are things that we can receive in our life and they're not going to have sorrow because they came from his blessing. From you praising even when you were in poverty. You know what I mean? When we're in a certain place, we can still give our praises to break those things that are deficits in our soul. Okay? So money is a thing that the enemy uses. He uses our lies about money to to set up his throne in our world. Come on. How many people would empty their bank check today for him? You know what I'm saying? Right? When God told you, I'm not going to tell you to do that. You know, people come to me all the time. They'll hear my testimonies. I could write a financial book on money and how the word works in it. And but I wouldn't tell anybody to do the same thing I did. I would tell somebody had the same heart. You get what I'm saying? Don't do the same thing I did. Had the same heart to pursue Him. Because when I realized that I wasn't supposed to borrow money, boy, and then I made the list of all the money I borrowed. Oh, I was so sick at myself. You know what I mean? My belly got sick. My belly got sick how much I let that ride up. But then when I went to his ways, he told me, I owe no man but to love them and to pay my taxes. I don't, I don't, I have my, I don't owe anything on a car. I don't owe anything on a house. I don't owe anything on a business. My life is just to live out what he wants me to do for the day. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm, that is a blessing. But he said, that's where I needed you to be. I'm not saying it's wrong if you have a loan on something, but I dare you. To love God enough, and you lay that loan before Him, watch what He will do. Because what He did, it was supernatural. It wasn't Lee worked out the plan and I figured out how to do it. It was a supernatural. And I know some people know my story, and it truly is amazing. And God has blessed; He has blessed me. But keep this in mind: Give me neither. Give me bread. Have you ever heard that word? Give me the bread of life. Give me neither riches, neither poverty. But give me what? Bread, give me your word, give me your instruction, give me your love, and I'm going to do it because I'm going to follow you. And then he fulfills prosperity. Hey, supply is what we, how many people fear not having? You don't have to raise your hand because we all do. Somewhere we fear not having something. In unforgiveness, we talked about the fear of not what? Receiving someone's affection. With shame, we fear more about control of money. Come on, the enemy works it, thinking you'll have no money tomorrow. You won't be to eat tomorrow. You won't be able to have this. And God, what are people going to think if they knew, right? All right, give me Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, please. So, either if you are in poverty, then you're not trusting God enough if you're in a terrible poverty, because if your mind is really in that much sorrow. But at the same time, if you're in a lot of riches, 
don't think you're God. Don't think you're God. Because that's a dangerous place to be in too. Because people with money get so comforted in what they do and what they, they don't have to do anything. Okay, it says, not that I speak in regard to need, okay, because this isn't about need, because when it comes to money, it's usually about what? Want, right? I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. Content. Next verse. Content. Whatever state of mind you're in, if God is blessing, oh, I don't know where the verse is. There, this verse is here. There's a verse that actually says that God, he, he puts you on highs and he puts you on what? Lows and he puts you on highs financially and he puts you on lows. To keep you what? Humble to him. You know what I mean? And keep you knowing who your what? God is. Your source is through the Holy Spirit that knows all truth. Philippians 4.12, I know how to be what? Abased and I know how to be what? Bound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be what? Full and to be what? Hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. See, because who do we need? We need, we need God. We need Jesus. We need to know how to tap into our Holy Spirit in Christ. There is a season of receiving. And when that season comes, it is like a tsunami under the ocean that's waving. And every time you keep doing what he says, it's an unseen wave. It's an unseen wave. And then all of a sudden, the tsunami comes and it floods you. I just wasn't, it wasn't a year to take out that. It only took less than three months. The preparation took all the other time. Took all the other time. I had to learn the undercurrent. This is good. This is bad. This is not good. You know. And then all of a sudden, see, the enemy doesn't want you to miss the flood. Because you never know what season and what time that flood comes into your life. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And we make money dictate this? This is what kills me. We make money dictate that. We make, we put money to dictate these things. Okay? And so remember, there's a spirit of greed that we live in. We live in. We live in that spirit. Because why? We're so worried about our needs when God wants us to need Him. And that's the most important thing. Okay, there is so much more to this, but i got to get into these two stories. I'm going to show you two stories about greed. And and then we'll, we'll, we'll end it from there. Because money, okay, actually, give me Ecclesiastes 7.12. How can money be used? I just want to read these two verses. This is how God created money to be used. One. Oh, there's so much to this lesson. Okay. It says, for wisdom is a defense, as money is a what? Money is a defense, okay? But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives what? Life to those who have it, okay? Our life is through the Holy Spirit. Our life is through Jesus sanctifying our soul. So when we grasp that life, wisdom actually becomes our defense. And then he tells us how to use money, to be part of that defense. Okay, I'll never forget when I tested on this. I did uh, I did a job for somebody. I didn't charge any money. The guy came back to me. He goes, Lee, I feel really terrible. That would have normally been about $1,200 to you. Let me at least give you $950. I was like, okay, great. He gives me an envelope. I always know, receive, receive. So this man comes in with cash, $950. I was like, oh, this is so good. God has heard my heart. Now, just laugh at me here. I really want to buy Rachel a very nice camera for Christmas. So I'm thinking, I just got the what? The money. money, right? So I'm thinking, oh. And the moment I thought that, I heard, 
now hear me on what to do with it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy myself cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, my spirit arrested me. And I knew, okay, any money I receive is not my money. So I went like this. All right, what do you want me to do with the $950? I'm not buying a camera. And then all of a sudden, over a two-week period, I would hear, give $100 to this person. I had the cash with me all the time. The last $100 I'm sitting, I had breakfast with a customer, a very rich client, a rich man. Oh, this is so the word. I was sitting with this rich man, a very wealthy man. And we're working out something for a real estate deal. And I heard, give him the last $100. And I even said, he doesn't need that $100. But then I like immediately was like, hey, here's $100. And he goes, why are you giving that to me? I said, I don't know. I said, I know this is crazy, but the Holy Spirit just led me to give it to you. And he's like, give it to your daughter. I'm like, no, not this $100. <laughs> I was like, this $100, I want you to ask God what to do with this $100. And he just looked at it, and he's like, well, I guess I'll give it to the poor. I said, no, 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 no. Just do me a favor. Hold on to it and ask God what to do with it. And he, okay, so right, time goes on, right? My last hundred dollars, I have, this is now what? This is now October. I have no money for a camera for Christmas, right? Now, the moment I release the hundred dollars, no kidding, I come into the office. A person writes me, hey, I need to buy a house now, right? Somebody called me, I need to buy a house now. And then Todd gave me a referral for a lady for a house. Three bought houses, right? Okay, this is so awesome. So the first, I'm in my car, got my houses, come on, right? Kathy knows how to show property, we got it all down, and we're driving, and then all of a sudden, they picked the, each person that week, picked the very first house they saw. They all closed on the same day. Steve Jackson said to me, hey, Lee, I'll just bring all the closings, we'll have the closings here at the office. I said, okay. So I had a 1 o'clock, a 2 o'clock, and a 3 o'clock, all at the end of November, so 30 days, right? No kidding. He made me notice it. After every closing, he's like, Lee, how much money you made today? I was like, what? One closing was $9,300 with the commission. Another one was $9,500. And the last one was $9,700. Come on, right? Right, you got a $3,000 camera. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. This is so real. This is so real. That's where God showed me. He, there was a lot of giving in that season because he was working something. And that, that money that came in, you know what I'm saying? He was showing me, I know the desires of your heart, but if you let those desires work with me, I know you want to get our camera. Now, what if I would have kept the 950? Guess what? God would have still loved me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I still would have been blessed, but not the blessing like I felt when I got to go buy her that camera. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's what God needs us to get our mindset off of, we can have money in our hand, and we can think, I just, I need that. I need that. But you've got to do what? Let it go when the Spirit unctions you to do it. When the Spirit unctions you to do it. Alright, go ahead and give me the next verse. So, but the excellence of knowledge is the wisdom that gives life. See, he gave me wisdom then. Consider the work of God, for I can make straight what he has made crooked. I am telling you, he can make straight. There is not, nobody in here has done anything wrong with money. Because we are born into a world of sin, and we know we need what? Money. But we need God more. We need that knowledge to get the wisdom of life to know what to do with that money. So it's very strong. Okay. All right, I wanted to say it because he says money is, in these verses, how can money be used? It's used as a defense. 
It's used as a protection. Protection is a providence from God. God not only protected the desire of my heart of what I wanted to do, but if I was willing to do what he wanted to do, he showed me, he brought me more than I needed. Do you get what I'm saying? He brings us more than we need. All right. Now let's hit this. Okay. Two things important about money. Give me Acts chapter 5 and give me verse 1. Now, God showed me two very important stories in about dealing with money and being a good Christian. Okay? I've already given you some good testimony. There are so many verses I could give you that back up that money, we, our job is to steward it and steward alone, not accumulate it. So you worry about it. If you know you've received money from God, you're not worried about it being stolen. You're not worried about it going anywhere. You're not even worried about what you got. Because God already says, if you're in him, he is going to provide all your what? Needs. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? But those desires cannot be earthly desires. They cannot be fleshly desires. They have to be desires that are so inward. And when, because you know, we can put a label, an earthly label on an inward desire. And then we've messed it up. Because we already painted the picture of that desire. And we can't. He wants to fulfill that desire. Why do people want to get married? Right? Why do people want to get married? Because they want somebody to what? Love them. But when you start painting that love, and it's not his love, then you missed out on the great love he could have provided to you. You get what I'm saying? I like it. When God puts two people together to work as one, do you know there is the beautiful mystery of love? And he puts two people together. And guess what that mystery is? It's not that you said I do and it turned out great. It's you said I do and as you see God, he makes an explosion so great. If you commit to that, you will never experience anything greater. Because why? You laid your life down for the other person. See, everything in Christ, the mystery is dying. Then burying it. Come on. Where's the word that says if you have to constantly bring up the past, and you never really what? Buried it. So what is it that you keep bringing up? You got it? What, what is it connected to? It's not connected to the situation. It's connected to a deeper, inner thing that really is connected with shame. Hey, when we have to start defending our last door of dirt, and we have to defend, then we've, we've entered into an, a realm of shame. And God wants to show us what that is. Okay, now everybody knows this story. I really want you to get this because this is simple, and this one you're going to get, and then the, the next story is going to be the deep one. Okay? All right. I should have probably put this one last because it's easier, but I wanted to get it. But a certain man named Aeneas, with Sephara, his wife, sold a what? Yay! They must be following God. Okay, next verse, right? <laughs> and he kept and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostle's feet. Now, this is what I love about this time. When they got of one mind, one accord, they were willing to give anything up for a need. They were willing to give up. What does that person need? I have it. You can have it. What do you have that? And that's where one accord is saying a body of Christ is when each person works in their column. Don't jump into somebody else's column. Work in your column. Give out of your column. Right? Then you will receive out of another person's column. That's the beauty. We are to give and receive out of different... I can't do everything. I can only do what's in my column. So when Jean said, Lee, you're a teacher, the Lord said to me, you will help them claim the cup of their salvation, what Jesus showed me in the middle of the night. And I just remember being so overwhelmed with that, I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't even know what cup of salvation meant. 
But if I was willing to yield to that caller, that means don't go try to be a prophet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't go try to be an evangelist. I'm out of my what? Column. Now, can I evangelize? Yes. Can prophecy come through me? Yes. It can come through all of us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. That holds it all. But if my special column is this, then that's where I need to what? Stay and I can give. And then I receive from everybody, pastor, teacher, evangelist. I receive from everybody else. And you have to be excited. But back, but this couple here, being aware that they were actually holding something back, they brought a certain part and they laid that part. That's not even giving your whole gift that you promised. Next verse. But Peter said, Aeneas, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a part of the price of the what? Land. He's talking about his soul. Okay, we're talking about that soul. We've got to get that land. And he says, keep that part back, the price of the land for yourself. That means secretly in his mind, he was having to be right. Secretly in his mind, he had to have that extra money. Secretly in his mind, he had to hold on to his old way of thinking. Secretly, he was, I'm telling you, the hidden spot. He knew the whole time. He said, he wanted to be a cardinal Christian. I'm going to give you part of me, but I'm going to keep my foot in this part. Think about it, that $950. What if I kept 500 And I did what the Lord said. I gave 450 away. So let's say I didn't give it all. I would have never gotten those closings to happen like that. I am telling you, God is in everything. He is in business. He is in your thoughts. He is in everything that has to concern you. Okay? But you cannot keep back a part. How do you know you're holding back a part? You are defending it. You got to keep complaining about it. You cannot, you got to control it. Man, that means you're holding on to a part that God does not have of you. Next verse. Go to four. While it remained, was it not, while it remained, that means while he had it, was it not your own? That means, guess what? Everything I have goes to a person in the body of Christ, right? That means what he has is mine. We're already family. It's all our what? Own. The Lord said to me when he asked me to give up all my jewelry. I'll never forget this. He said, you, everything, you're going to give up everything for me. But you will own everything through me. He told me that. I heard that so clear. Man, I started taking, yep, the jewelry was all gone. I didn't even care because he showed me, Lee, if you'll give it all up for me, you own everything because you're connected to me. And so it's not a boasting, oh, I own everything. It's like, oh, my God, thank God he owns all the gold and silver. (laughs) Thank God I just have to, like, steward what I have. You know what I mean? I don't want to have more than I should. I don't want to have under what I should. I want to have my allotment. But it's not going to be with money, the value of it. It's going to be with my heart with him. My heart with him. Okay? So it says, and after it was sold, and it not in your own control, why have you conceived this thing in your what? Heart. You have not lied to me, but to God. Man, I'm going to tell you. Now, this is where humble yourself on this thought because... We have lied to God a lot. Yeah, we have lied to God a lot when we don't give him our full heart. Okay, it's not necessarily the action and things that we do. It's when you don't give him your full heart. Remember what we taught before, to be blameless before the Lord. 
is to come before him. It didn't mean make yourself all perfect, perfect package, and then come before him. He said, just come before me. You know what I mean? Come before me. I'll make everything work out. But don't worry about what other what others are thinking. Just do what I'm calling you to do. And then the body can function because guess what? This heart doesn't have to check on my pancreas. This pancreas doesn't have to check on my toe. This, you know what I'm saying? My um, eyes don't have to check on my knees. They all work together. They all work together. You have not lied to me, but to God. Next verse. Then Aeneas, hearing these words, did what? Fell down. down because when you hear the truth, it's done, right? And breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. See, because God, here's the thing, he even, even his wife ended up dying. We're not going to go through the rest of the verses there. But the most important thing you need to do, when we decide to God that we're going to hide something, come on, God's already watching the whole time. If we make a vow and we don't keep it, you're hiding something. Do you know what I mean? So what is it that God is asking for this season? God's not asking everybody to be, but he's asking for a season of whatever needs to have the transparency. Okay, now, so everybody gets in that good story? Okay. The reason why this happens is because that occurred when everybody was of one mind and one sound. And God is calling Savannah to be of one mind and one and one one mind, one accord, one sound, so we can actually possess the land of Savannah for Christ. But he needs an army, a team, that's going to work as one. And so that means when we come to that heart that everything we have is not ours, you can actually let go of that financial whatever thing you have or these things so you can move on to doing what concerns his heart. So we want our heart to concern his heart. Okay, now here we go. Everybody remembers the story of Naaman when we talked about anger? Okay, please go to Naaman, I mean go to Second Kings. Second Kings, start at verse chapter five and give me verse sixteen. Now I'm gonna give everybody a rundown what was Naaman. Naaman was a great man who worked for a king. And but he was a leopard. Okay, we learned the definition of leprosy means what everybody? It, anger. What? It has to do with anger. Okay? When somebody's angry, you don't want to be near them, right? They have leprosy. Come on. When you're near a real angry person, you look at the definition of anger. I showed it to you on the screen. Okay? Ang- leprosy has to do with anger. Okay? That's in the bloodline. And now anger in the spirit. Nobody wants to be around an angry person. You're, they're a leper. Okay? I'm not gonna, they're going to get angry. You'll even lie to an angry person because you don't want them what? Angry at you. Okay? I'm serious. Alright. So Naaman, a little servant girl, from her heart, really wanted this man, because he was a good man, to be healed. So, he went to Elisha, Elijah, I think I'm saying, Elijah, Elijah. He went to the prophet, and the prophet told him to go to the river and dip seven times. And he got angry, because he was like, no, I don't want to go to that river. No, I want to, why didn't I get to go to this river? And then, they, the servant said to him, hey, if you got that instruction, you need to go do it. Well, anyway, he yielded his heart, and he listened to the voice of the man of God. And he got what? Healed. Okay, so it's important that you all know that story. Because when he got healed, he was so excited. He actually wanted to give to the man of God. Okay, now here, this is what's so important. It says, but he said, 
He wanted to give to the man of God. This is what the man of God, this is what Elisha said. And he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive what? Nothing. Nothing. And he urged him to take it, but the man of God refused it. Now, this was interesting, because there's a time to take, there's a time to give, and in this case, he just received his healing. And the reason why the man of God told him that he wouldn't take anything is because you can't pay for healing. You can't pay for a healing. Don't tell me you can pay for healing. You can't pay for a healing. Now, God can ask you to give things and move possessions and do things like that, but you can't say, I'm doing one to receive another. Okay? Money, when you look at the definition, money is used for transactions. Okay? It's an earthly defense of transactions. Greed, greed, when greed and money come together, you are trying to make a transaction to satisfy an intense, selfish desire for something. Whether it be more money, whether it be food, whether it be power, whether it be love, but they become, it becomes excessive thought. Okay? So this prophet was a smart man of God. He was like, hey, I gave you what God told me. You got healed. Yo, I'm not taking the money for it. Because that's not how God works. Next verse. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord God. He was saying, I want to give to you, because now I know who the what? The real God is. He said, so if you're not going to take it, at least let me give it to your what? Servant. Ooh, this is where we're going to get to know who this servant is. Who knows the story? Anybody here know the story? Okay. Let's go to, go to verse 19. Go to verse 19. Then he said to him, okay, then he said to him, go in peace. Go, go, go. Go in peace. You can't give to me. You can't give to my servant. Go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. All right, here we go. Verse 20. Now go with me these next couple verses. Because we're building an understanding. God is trying to show us that the body of Christ breaks all the time. We do break this understanding. We think that when we help somebody, we need to get paid. Do you know what I mean? In church. It's not like that. We want to teach people to be aligned with the Holy Spirit so that they can give, whether it's out of their talent, whether it's out of their possession, but it's got to be a flow of the Spirit. It can't be the exchange of the world, okay? But, I, I hope I'm saying his name right, but Geza, Geheza, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him, and I will take something from him. Come on, servants of God. Okay? we have to, God wants us to be in a position of knowing that we need him, but we can't plan how we're going to receive from him. Next verse. So, Gehazi pursued Naaman. He didn't pursue God. He pursued man. He pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? Next verse. And he said, All is well. All is well. My master has sent me. Ooh. Isn't it amazing how money can make you lie? My master has sent me saying, Indeed, just now, 
Two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garment. Next verse. So Naaman said, please, please, because this is a man who wanted to what? Give. He was given. Now he wants to what? Give. Please take two talents. And he urged him. And he bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garment, handed them to the two servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. Next verse. This is so good. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hands. He stored them away in the house. Then he let the man go, and they departed. Next verse. Now he went in, and he stood before his master. Elisha said to him, Where did you go, Gehazah? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. Next verse. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you? When the man turned back from his chariot to meet you, is it time to receive money and to receive clothing? Olive groves, vineyards, sheep, and oxen, male, female servants? Meaning, did you not discern my heart? Was it the time to receive? Come on, next verse. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out of his what? Present leprosy as white as snow. Now, come on boys and girls. What I'm trying to say is, I did something for a man. That man gave me $950. Okay? I didn't ask for it. He gave it to me. But when God's heart, it wasn't for a miracle. He didn't give me that money for a healing. He gave me that actually for the work of my hands. But when God told me all money is his, and I could not use it for my will, I had to now give that 950 in obedience to him. But then he took care of the concern of my heart. I didn't have to go run after something. I did not have to lie. I did not have to do, all I had to do was trust who my God was. And sometimes in the world, we can see what other people have, and then we start egging them on to give to us, because they see our talent. And I am telling you, that is shame, that is building, connected to money, that is putting you into, look at this, he was controlling, he was self-centered, he was masking lies to the other person, all building up a deception, because he said, if he wants to give, why can't I just what? Take. But you have to discern when you're receiving, what you're receiving. And you have to hold on to I remember one time, this uh, this is a ministry. This person was in a ministry. And then they started coming to this ministry. And all they wanted to do was give me gifts, give Gene gifts, give Zinni gifts. Well, I had to take that gift and sit it to the side. Because I could feel the deception on it. I could discern it wasn't his heart. Right? I mean, I held on to that gift for two years. And then God told me how to disperse that gift. The gift wasn't evil. You get what I'm saying? But the heart, the intentions of the heart is, is are evil. And so sometimes God wants to change our thinking about money so it's not connected to the belly of shame. It's not connected to our carnal appetite. Okay, get this. I, I got it and I gotta end with this one because this is the one we hear. Give me Ecclesiastes. I even put on the paper, do this last. <laughs> Give Ecclesiastes 10.19. 10.19. Okay. I love this. Because we hear this all the time, so this is just good. All right, so far, has this been good, guys? We cannot lose grip of what the truth God is trying to tell you 
what he's trying to tell me. It's not my job to tell everybody how to handle their money. It is not my job to do. Now, if I'm assigned a steward, you know, employees or whatever I'm charged to steward, I will steward. But I'm not, I can't tell anybody how to grow in this. It, it comes out of relationship with him. Okay, and I just know this. I, I feel so blessed, you know what I mean? Because I really do know what heavenly citizenship I have, which is in him. It's not on the earthly things of the earth. Okay, Ecclesiastes, come on, 1019. How many of we heard this? A feast, now we're going to break this down. A feast is made for what? Laughter, ha ha ha, right? And wine is for Mary. Mary! <laughs> I get Mary joyfully. But money, come on, you're like, I'm reading this in the Bible. What is God trying to tell me? Okay, this is so awesome. A feast is made for laughter. Wine is made for Mary, but money answers all things. Now, I have to let you know, in the garden, if we want to reach the third heaven, we have to, you know, when God kicked them out of the, out of the garden, he put cherubim at the gate, right? And you can only get through that gate unless you hit a certain point with the Lord, okay? And then you can get the answers right from the tree of life, okay? So we can't judge things in our life as, is this a good purpose or is this a bad purpose? I opened up with this. He wants us to pull out of the life core of the third heaven, okay? So there are, I love this, give me 1 Peter 4.3, a feast made for laughter. What does that really mean? 1 Peter 4.3. We can take money and we can use it for revelry, for parties. We can use our money and create a feast. Come on. We can make a party. Right? But if it's for our self-purpose of being, I'm good because I hosted a party. I'm good because I did this. Then are we really feeding the purposes of God? We have to seek God for these types of things. It says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, rivalries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatry. Okay, that means weigh the heart, test the mind. If you are feasting just for a party, you're missing the party. Okay, you're missing the party. If you're trying to do it for a good, a good thing, you have to hold on because it's too often that we feast just to fulfill our own flesh. Okay? If we're enjoy, if we're having a party to lift someone up, that's a good thing, right? But we gotta also make sure that God is behind it. Alright, give me, now I like this. So wine makes one merry. Give me Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. See, God warns us. Be careful of how we feast. Be careful how we drink our wine. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is what? Dissipation. But be filled with the what? Spirit. So don't be grabbing wine just to have wine to drink and be merry. You're missing the point. Because if you're doing that, okay, so I, I know that. I remembered I would have a wine with dinner. I'd have one glass. I'd have two glasses. And before you know it, guess what I did? I numbed out my own mind. You know what I mean? How many of you had the wine and you just numbed out? I slept good that night, right? Okay. But the Lord tries to tell us, don't be drunk. That is not what makes you merry. Okay? Enjoy moving in the spirit. Because that will give you a merry, a joy, a feeling. Okay? All right. But remember, money answers all things. 
there's the 1 Timothy. Oh, hold on. Give me the next verse on this one. Give me 19, 5.19. 5.19. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That is really being married in the Spirit. Is when we're just so happy, we're singing, we, we don't even realize what's going on. We're just enjoying the way it's supposed to be. You know, the bride of Christ does not think on the earthly level. She thinks of the spiritual realm, right? And that's where we're headed to. Okay. Okay, now give me 1 Timothy 6.17. This is so good. <coughs> this is so good. I just love the Lord. He is really good. Okay, it says, command now. Money answers everything. I'm breaking this down. Money answers everything. What does that really mean? Because you got to go to the New Testament to understand things of the old. Okay? Command those who are rich in this present age not to be what? Haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. I love that. In the living God is who we shall trust, not in the money. All right? So money, when the word says that money answers all things, money is an exchange of transition that we can help somebody in the body of Christ. But we can't do it out of our own understanding. Yeah. I can't do it and say, I think Pastor Mike is so good, I'm going to give him $500. Now, God's not going to punish me for that kind of giving, but I did that because I decided he was a good boy. Okay? But if I see somebody that I don't like and I see them struggling but it keeps weighing on my heart, and I don't give to him, I am an evil yeah, servant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are not, when I gave out that 950, I wasn't to judge who I was giving that 950 to. I just need to give that 950, and I wasn't even thinking, hey, I'm going to make 27000 out of 950. That wasn't in my mind. That's the best part of telling the story. When I got the blessing, I didn't expect it. Okay? Because he wants us, the uncertain riches are the things, the money of the earth. But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's why the root of all evil is what? The love of money. Money cannot fulfill you. Only the things of the Spirit. Give me the next verse. Give me the next verse. Let them do good that they may, that they be rich in good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. Next verse. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Next, oh, that's it. So, what the Lord is trying to say is, money isn't the answer to all things, but he's saying money is the answer to all things. Meaning, if you're using it for him, it will answer what? All things. Okay, and there's a point where God tests our minds in using the money because he needs to break shame out of us when he asks us to give. I mean, I remember that one of my first assignments, I didn't know Jean very long. I was barely reading the word. I heard, I was worshiping in the morning, just starting to listen to songs, and I heard, write a check of five, you've, everybody's heard this testimony, write a check of $5,000 to Jean. I was like, this man, he's already rich. You know, why, am I, why am I writing him a check, right? You know, and I kept thinking, yeah. But it, all day long, it kept growing. It kept, I was just learning how to feel my spirit and learning what he was saying to me. Man, I saw Gene. I was like, I wrote a check. I was like, hey, Gene, come here. I was like, here. And I was looking for, maybe he would know why I'm giving it to him, right? He just took the check and walked away. No, thank you. There, I mean, there is no thank you. I'm still, remember, I'm still half in the earth, and I'm half in the spirit. And he just literally, it was like, it was literally like, give me, give me a piece of paper. 
And he gave it to me. Thank you. I know, he didn't say thank you. He just took it and walked. And he, I was like, did he even look at it? He never said anything to me about later. No, he just took it and walked. That's a man who lives in the spirit. He wasn't trying to say, thank you, Lee. You know what I mean? He wasn't. But see, God is having me give him that check. And this is what I learned later. Because he was already a level to steward the money. God knew who needed that $5,000, whether it was all of it or a bit of it. But the moment, Gene did not have to thank me for it. Because we live in one what? Body. Where we give out of a good heart. We're happy. We're joyful. We're singing songs. We're not worried about being married online. We're not being about being fulfilled at a party. And we're not worried about that money answers all things the way we want it to answer. You actually start living in a world, in a realm, you don't have to know what. You just have to keep what? Loving. Keep encouraging the change. So it's so beautiful. Alright, and we're gonna, we're gonna end on this last verse. And I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna call a few other verses if you wanna meditate on them. Other verses that back up this teaching that I did not get to. Hebrews, you do not have to put these up, but just write them down. Hebrews 13, 5. Psalms 37, 7 and 37, 16. Proverbs 23, 45. And Proverbs 11, 4 and 8. There are so many verses that back all this up. But there are some little extras. But we're going to end with this one. I want you to know that the most important thing is money is used on an earthly realm to develop an exchange. Okay, and in the body of Christ, like Aeneas, who he failed at this test, we are to release it at the time the Holy Spirit tells us to. How do you know money doesn't control you? How do you know money isn't a shame to you? You're just doing it, and you don't, hey, I know some people, have you ever met people who don't want to tell you how much money they have? You know? No, I'm being serious. That is so shame, because it's not ours anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's not that we even have to publish it in the paper. That's not the point. The point is, it's not ours. It's all his. And he has something that each of you, we've already learned tonight, that you are called to do for the body. He will prosper you. He will supply for you. He will give you everything you need if you're willing to break down the hidden things. See, he can't take you to a place that he's not willing to move something out of you. We we sit here with two hands serving two gods. And mammon has to do with what what really pushes our heart to do something, and in this world, it's connected to money usually. So if we can remember money is a transaction for him and not for us, and we know we know he's going to clothe us, take care of us, and do everything for us. So I'd like to end with this verse. 1 Peter 1.18 because we have to know this is our transaction. This is our heavenly citizenship transaction. It says, knowing, you have to know that you were not redeemed with a corruptible thing. None of us were redeemed by money. Money, all money does, it helps elevate our shame to deception, to rebellion, to controlling, to cursing, to our own self-centered needs. It says, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers. Come on. How many of us have done something because that's what, I mean, you can pay to a foundation, like leukemia, right? And you did that because your father did it. And because your father did it. Okay, but if the Holy Spirit is not, I'm not saying God's not against you when you don't do these things. But he's saying if you're doing it because you say this is why this person did it, and it's not done freely from him, you get where I'm going on this? Yeah. That is not what's going to redeem you. He says an aimless conduct 
received by tradition from your fathers, next verse, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The only thing that can redeem every single person is not the exchange of how much money you can tithe, how much money you can offer, how much money you can give, but you are redeemed through the what? The blood of Jesus Christ. That is your currency. When he gave his blood, he set us now to wipe out our shame. But we've got to do it through the blood. We have to do it redeeming ourselves through him to get the right mindset. So money is a good thing. And I want everybody in here to get the allotment that they were called to receive. I don't want anybody in here poor. I don't want anybody in here rich. I want you wealthy in him. And then whatever he's giving you, Stuart, we are going to applaud each person, encourage them, lift them up, so that they can complete their race. Because God has redeemed them. Now, isn't that amazing? So each and every person, God has not left to be to, to suffer. He only in the depth of your mindset are you to have that. And then you move and then you move into the kingdom. And to enter the kingdom, you have to enter with many what? Tribulations, many conflicts. Many changes to get the shame, the hidden spots moved out. 